If you have God's Word, and I trust that you did bring the Word with you this morning, I I want to invite you just to kind of prepare yourselves and uh, turn to the book of Romans. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12 in just a moment. Again, Romans chapter 12, looking at verses 9 through 15. Um, I remember uh, as a kid, my mom and dad making a decision uh, to have devotions as a family. And it's kind of interesting that Kelly seen fit, our, our, our music director seen fit, to, to kind of just kind of reduce things down a bit into this atmosphere that we're looking at right now, which, you know, there's the carpet on the floor and there's the acoustic sound. And, and the spirit is that we, we are a family and we are worshiping as family and we're gathering as family. And I, I love the fact that God must have been a part of this planning for the service because we really didn't even talk about this. But yet this is what has happened is that God has prepared us to think about the idea as a church that we are family, that we are family. And and together as family, we 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 are on this journey that is called a spiritual journey and we experience Jesus together as a family. And I, I remember as a kid, my my father and mom, you know, deciding for us to have devotions every once in a while. And and we'd go through seasons. Sometimes we had devotions in the morning. Sometimes they would decide that we're going to have devotions at nighttime and it would last a while. And then something would happen. And we'd kind of dip off and then we'd begin again. But I remember, especially as maybe a junior high kid, that I was, and this is not very pastoral to tell you, kids, I probably shouldn't say this, sorry, moms and dads, but I remember when mom and dad would stop and want us to have devotions in the morning, it kind of annoyed me. That's terrible. And it kind of was an interruption to my morning. I mean, I'm trying to get ready, I'm thinking about school, or maybe it was at nighttime and I was tired and I was done for the day, and, and, they're, try, and they're interrupting. But, you know, the interesting thing about that devotional time, though, is that, Not every time, but many times when they would read the scripture or read the devotion, that what they read, what they read hit me right between the eyes because it was something that maybe I was struggling with, something that I needed to hear and that that God was speaking to me through that scripture or through that devotion that we shared together. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that as I was getting ready to read this passage this morning. Again, Romans chapter 12. I'll give you time to look at that. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9 through 15. And, and, and I was thinking about the fact that if we are to be a family, I mean, of course, we're family, you know, as the McQuaquah family is a family and they, they experience Christ together as a family. But if we are as a family, I mean, as the family of God to really experience everything that God has for us, then I think as a family that we need to recognize that maybe sometimes family, we need to have a devotional time together. And so as we look at this word this morning here in Romans chapter 12, looking at verse 9 through 15, this is our this is our devotional for us this morning. And as we read this, I want to invite us to pause for a moment. I mean, put everything on pause. Put your phones down, if you will, your cell phones, and put on pause your thoughts about this afternoon and what you're going to do this evening. I want to invite us as the family God, I mean entirely, everybody in the sanctuary, just to pause long enough for us to have a devotion together as we read the Word of God and believe that God perhaps wants to say something to the family. Let's look at Romans 12, beginning at verse 9. 
Love must be sincere. Think about that for a moment now. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. I'm thinking about that. I mean, the idea of what it means to be devoted to one another in love, especially, I mean, if we're the family of God and and we find out that maybe we have some differences (laughs) and maybe one person is standing over here on their ideas and another person is standing over here on their ideas. What does it mean to be devoted together to one another in love? When this is happening or or what does it mean to be devoted together in love? If, say, for an example, um, you know, I have some plans and somebody else's they're a part of those plans and they don't come through the way that I think they ought to come through. And so now, you know, it's upsetting me. So what does it mean to be devoted together or devoted to one another in love when things do not come out the way that I've planned? He continues to speak to us. He says, honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. This means that we're going to put that other person first before ourselves. We'll elevate them instead of ourselves. I mean, it's not that hard as a family. I mean, as a mom and dad to put our children first because we love our children. It's built in. It's not that hard. It's a little bit different when it's the family of God. I mean, how do we elevate that other or others above ourselves, especially when it is really being tested? And then we read this. I love this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. I love the fact that Paul Plum gets here before 8 a.m. in the morning. There are other people, some of you that are greeters and parking lot directors, and you come here early in the morning, and you get together, and you have your coffee and your donuts, and we gather and we visit for just a little bit before everybody else gets here. And then Paul Plum stands up on his pedestal, and he has this zeal, he has this fervor, and he says, folks, we are here to serve the Lord. Amen. I love that. And I love the fact that that is biblical, that we are to have spiritual zeal and that we are to have fervor for the Lord. Maybe someone said, well, that preacher, he's too hyper for me. Folks, that's not hyper. That's fervor. (laughs) I love the fact that the Lord reminds us to have zeal and fervor for the ministry and for the Lord and that we participate and we volunteer for ministry. Amen. Be joyful in hope. Back to the devotion. Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction. I love those that are positive thinkers, joyful in hope, those that always see the positive side of things. Amen. And then to be patient in affliction. Some of us, we have affliction because of age. Age happens and we get older and sometimes there are these afflictions that come. And see, this is telling us to be patient with that affliction for those among us. Some affliction... People are born with. We're to be patient with that affliction. Maybe it's something else. Maybe emotional or psychological. And we have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. To be patient in that affliction. Faithful in prayer. I love that there are prayer groups that are popping up in small groups that are deciding to meet on Sunday nights and different times of the week. And, and we are saying as a church that prayer should be a part of the family of God. And in fact, our staff, instead of just having a meeting right off at 10 a.m., we're meeting at 945 and we're praying for about 45 minutes before we ever have our meeting, our staff meeting on Tuesdays. And so we, we are praying together and we love to pray together. You know what, what people say, those who pray together stay together. Amen. 
And so that is happening. People are praying together. And I love that. And then verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. It sounds like pastoring the priesthood of all believers, that we're rejoicing together and that we're mourning and we're, we're feeling empathy for those that are having a more difficult time. Let us pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Father, for this family devotion. The fact that, Lord, that you have, Lord, called us together to, to be just that, to be your family. To glorify you, Father, in everything that we do. And so, Lord, I just pray that you just speak to that heart this morning that needs to hear your voice. I pray that, Lord, that you would just lift the one that's discouraged. Inspire the one that is down. But more and above all of that, I pray that if anything happens today, that they will see you. Thank you, God, for loving us. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. And all God's people said, Amen. And amen. I, I want to begin by saying I just I, I love people. I mean, I, I was talking with a guy at a gas station. He's about four times my size. And he was talking about something different than what I was thinking. And, and he began to share his opinion. And I had my opinion. And he says, well, wait a minute. I don't want to offend you. And I said, brother, I looked up at him. I said, brother, you're not going to offend me because I love people. And it's okay that we have different thoughts and different ideas. And and there's just something about this thing called humanity that is a wonderful thing to experience. I love people. I especially love people that are God's children. I love people like the people in our church, like John over here. I love people that sit here and worship and and they lift up the name of the Lord like Pastor Jeff. I love people. I I love John, and I I love my wife, of course. Amen. I love the fact that God has given us this neat thing called life, that we get to experience each other, and we get to enjoy the presence of those that God has created. But one of the reasons I think that, that it's wonderful to be a part of God's family is because those that are God's chosen children understand something. We understand that we are flawed. We understand that, that God has not created us, you know, perfect, that, that we are, that we are, all of us are some kind of project that God is working on. I, I look at a passage in John chapter 9, looking at verses 1 through 3, and here Jesus comes across a man that's blind from birth, and the disciples ask him, who sinned, this man or his parents? Do you remember how Jesus answered? Jesus answered, neither. You see, because their theology, the, the, the disciples' theology was all messed up. They had been listening to this faith by works deal that it was health and wealth. And, you know, the more spiritual we are, all the better life will become. But Jesus was realigning them and, and showing them that we are all just like this blind man. That we all maybe have not been born physically blind, but we all come into this world with some kind of flaw and some kind of need. And that is why we need the grace of God and the presence of Christ in our lives. I, I, I like that about this passage here. The fact that there's no need for superficial errors, like maybe in the corporate world. Like in the corporate world that we have to make an impression. We understand there's the bottom line and the dollar has to be made. But you see, the fact is this, this, the kingdom of God, this is what we're talking about is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is certainly not the corporate world. 
Paul reminds us of this as we look at this passage in, in Romans. In fact, if you flip back towards the beginning of Romans, we begin this wonderful journey that he takes us on where he starts talking about the gospel of Christ and we learn about the gospel and that kind of unfolds before us as this beautiful story that, that, that Jesus came and he lived among us and he died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead so that we have, you know, might have everlasting life. Then Paul talks about those that believe, those that have belief and those that have unbelief and the result of that. And then he delves into the richer and the deeper things called righteousness as we look at the book of Romans. And then he takes us into the struggles, you know, the, the flesh and the mind. When Paul writes about the fact the things I wish I, I do not, would not do, I do. And there's that war, that tension that is waged between the flesh and the spirit. And he kind of talks about all of that. And then, then he brings us here, where we land today in this passage, where he talks about how to obtain a happy state in a position of peace. This is where he puts the shoe leather on our spiritual experience. Because he, he, he's saying to us, Really, in no uncertain terms, he's saying to us that the pathway to holiness, I mean, that's what we have been talking about. No, that's what we've been speaking about is is this this holiness idea. And he's saying to us, in essence, that the pathway to holiness is love. The pathway of holiness is love. I, for an example, of, I want to I want to use somebody this morning to help me out. Where's Aaron at? Aaron, won't you come up here and help me? I'm going to use him kind of as an example in regards to what does Paul show us uh, something about love. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you stand with your back to my back, okay? And so this is kind of a back thing. So if I move to the right, you stay with me. You stay on my back. No matter what I do, you, you stay with me. So if I move to the left, okay, you stick with me. If I move forward, you're staying right with me, just like if I move backwards, you move backwards with me. If I swing around and I turn around like this, you're going to move with me, okay? And so this is the example. I mean, this is the illustration that really think, I think Paul is trying to get at, and that is that, that when we have sincere love, I mean, if the pathway to holiness is love, and we have sincere love, it means, it means that, that, that we have their back. It means that no matter what happens, if I really sincerely love Aaron and Aaron loves me, then the fact is, no matter what happens, even if I fall down, Aaron has my back. You see, it affects our flesh. It affects our mind. You see, when there's sincere love, it affects our will, like in the flesh, the tongue. The tongue can be used for evil. We know that the tongue can be used to tear somebody apart, ruin somebody's reputation. You know, the tongue can really whittle a person down. But also, the tongue can be used to build others up. The tongue can be used to, to create life. Words create worlds and words create life. And the tongue has that power that God has given us. And so we recognize that in the flesh, that we can show sincere love. Also, there can be devotion. I love the fact that my wife is devoted to me. Heidi over here, she's devoted to me. No matter what happens, and the neat thing about this part of sincere love is even when I screw up, even when I've let her down, my wife is devoted to me because she has sincere love. And it comes out in the devotion because she has my back. It comes out in honor. 
We had a Marine, a couple of Marines here this morning, and I mentioned, well, are you a Marine, Aaron? You're Navy. Well, I'm, I'm sure you, you resonate. All right. So you resonate with the motto. What is the motto? You never leave a fallen man behind. Isn't that right? Why? Because you have their back. Because you have your back. And when there's sincere love, sincere love means that you have honor. That means that they have your back. No matter where you go, they're going to stick with you because they have their back. Give him a hand. He did a good job, man. I'm proud of you. I love what C.S. Lewis wrote. He wrote, the Christian does not think God will love us. Listen to this now. The Christian does not think that God will love us because we are good. But they know God will make us good because he loves us. I, I love the fact that God loves us, that God is patient with us as, as a family of God. And that as the family of God, I mean, in this devotion, I mean, that's what this is, family devotions, that we understand that, that there is sincere love and that we have each other's back. But part of that is also that we share the love that we've experienced in Christ with others. Some would call that the call. It's the call that God has put upon us. And the obedience of that call is really what counts. Maybe not necessarily the fruit. Because that's what God produces. It's the call and that we're obedient to the call. I'll, I'll never forget my wife and I were in St. Augustine, which is kind of a tourist town in Florida. It's the oldest town in America. It's a great place to visit. The oldest house in America that's over 400 years old is in St. Augustine, Florida. And so we're visiting St. Augustine, Florida, and they had kind of like a walking street with all these shops. And at the end of the walking street, there was this man on the street corner, and he was shouting the gospel. Okay, I mean, he was shouting the gospel. Heidi was not interested. She was shopping for a purse or something. She was in the store shopping. And I stood out on the other corner. I listened to the guy preaching the gospel, and, and then I started up a conversation with him. Found out that he had been shouting the gospel for seven years. And I said to him, I said, well, has anyone ever... Has anyone ever prayed and said, God, I want you to be in my life? Has anybody ever paused and, and, and made this decision and, and chose to follow Jesus? And, and he said, well, only once. I said, once in seven years? He said, yeah, but God called me to do this. And I walked away thinking, wow. That is obedience to the call that God has put upon us. And, and we're trusting God with the results. You see, it's, it's the testimony that, that, that matters. The testimony that transforms lives and the testimony that you have that you can share with others. I, I will never forget in Sarasota Ford where we bought our Ford pickup truck uh, in, in, in Florida. And I was getting my truck worked on and I was sitting with a, a salesperson. And once he found out I was not interested in buying a truck. I thought he'd walk away, but he didn't. In fact, he sat down and he found out, I shared with him that I was a pastor, and then he shared with me that he'd been born in Cuba. And he began to share with me with some zeal the story that he had, that he'd been born in Cuba. He was raised in Cuba by a witch doctor grandmother. And he explained how, as a child, he had to participate in satanic worship services. And how sometimes the services would require him to burn his own body and that his whole family participated in this thing. And he was covered in this black cloud and he didn't even know it at all. He, he talked about the time that he was walking to school there in this other country and, and this man began to tell him about Jesus. And it made him so angry that he picked up a big rock and he hit the man with the rock. And the man 
continued to tell him about Jesus. In fact, day after day, he would pick up rocks. This salesperson would pick up rocks. He and his friends, and they'd try to stone the man that was telling him about Jesus. And then he tells me, he shares with me with great zeal that that man kept on inviting him to church. And finally, he went to church and he found Jesus. And he accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. And he could not wait to share his story with me. How Jesus had transformed his life. You see, the story. The story. Amen. The story is what matters. That we're obedient to the story that God has given us. And and family. There's a story in this family. And the McQuackas are a part of the story. And you're a part of the story. And the prime timers, they are part of the story and the shoulders we stand on because they've been faithful to the church. You're a part of the story. Amen. And that's what God calls us to, to remember the story and then to share that with what does the passage say? Look at it. A sincere love. The the, I got your back kind of love. A love that protects and a love that honors and a love that is devoted more to the kingdom of God than to our own self-interest. You see, part of the story is love. I, I will never forget the story of a father that tells about his, his experience with his two kids. In fact, he had uh, one girl that was Helen. She was eight years of age. And he had a little boy by the name of Brandon that was five. And they would pulled into a shopping mall so that he could go into the Sears, into the tool section, and, and look for a, a particular tool. And as they were driving up the mall, they noticed these signs. They get out, and as they're approaching the door of the mall, they see this big sign that they're advertising that they had a petting zoo that Saturday. And it was Saturday. And so the kids were saying, Daddy, please, can we go? Daddy, please, can we attend? Can we go see the baby animals? And so he said, okay, very well. So they go through the double doors into the mall. And just right there around the corner, right by Sears, there's the petting zoo. And they have these kind of portable fences in this big square area with like four inches of sawdust. And there's all kinds of baby fuzzy creatures and animals that the kids are loving on. And there was lots of security. So they were encouraging people to go ahead and do their shopping. And the kids can pet the animals and play with the animals. And he glances at the sign. He flips the kids each a quarter. So they go pet the baby animals. And so he goes into the Sears store and the tool department to do his shopping. And and the kids are there, you know, uh, playing with the animals. But before before too much time passes, just a few minutes, um, he notices, this father notices that his little girl, Helen, was in the tool department with him, and he looks at her, and he's thinking, well, this is pretty nice. She'd rather be with me in the tool department than, you know, playing with the little baby animals. And then he realized he was probably making an error. He was probably wrong. And he turns, and he asks her, and he says, Helen, how come you're not petting the animals? I, I gave you permission to do that, to be with the animals. And, and she said, well, Daddy... Um, we found out that it cost 50 cents instead of 25 cents. And so I gave my little brother my quarter so that he could be with the baby animals, and I'll just stay here with you. And he was just about ready to respond, shaking his head. And then her eyebrows went up, and she looked up at Dad, and she says, Remember, Daddy, the family motto. And then she said the family motto, Love in Action. Love in action, the family motto. The family motto. The family motto. Love 
in action. I'm just imagining what God could do with Mission Church of the Nazarene if we recognize that the pathway to holiness is really love in action. That we are the loving kind of people that God has called us to be and that we share the love of Christ in our heart. I believe God will transform our church if we show that kind of love. How many agree with that this morning? Just lift your hand. You agree with that? Let's do that. Let's be that. Let's be together. Let's be united and be patient and be kind and experience love in action. And church, God will bless you as you share and show that kind of love. Let's stand and pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you, Father, for the fact that, that Lord, that you are moving and you are shaping and you're developing a, a special, well, really, you're developing your culture. Not a special culture. It's your culture. A culture of love. A culture that that shows and shares Jesus. A culture that lifts you up in season and out of season. A culture of unity. A culture of your holy presence. And so, Father, I pray that as we just begin and prepare our hearts for this response time, Pastor Jeff is going to lead us. I pray that, Father, that we would just submit ourselves to you. For one, it might be might mean one thing. For another, it might mean something else. I don't know what it means. But I ask, Father, today that as your church, that, that in the spirit of unity, that we would submit ourselves to you. And maybe, maybe, Lord, it might involve a brother or a sister. Maybe it might just be a private prayer. But, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We commit to love in action. Because that's really the end of holiness. So Jesus, we just worship you. We want to honor you. We want to, we want to just take this moment.